Hello, everybody. Welcome back to North Idaho Now. This is episode 112 for March 4th. Chance Watson and Molly Roberts bring you the news today. And this episode is brought to you by Hecla Mining Company. Hecla Mining Company is a leading low-cost silver producer with operating silver mines in Alaska, Idaho, and Mexico, and is a growing gold producer with operating mines in Quebec, Canada, and Nevada. They're the largest primary silver producer in the U.S., responsible for one-third of the silver produced in our nation. Their philosophy is to operate mines safely by promoting a deeply rooted value-based culture, leveraging mining skills developed over the company's long history, and by innovating new practices. To learn more about Hecla Mining Company, please visit HeclaMining.com. Molly, how are you today? Oh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty good, actually. Yeah, started out the week a little bit rough, but we are back in business. That's good. <laughs> That's good. And, yeah, doing, it, doing pretty good. It does seem like a, a sickness has gone, not not COVID, thankfully, uh, finally, no, is, is, seems but, to be going on the downtrend. But, yeah, but illness and just an overall sense of, like, malaise. Yes. It's like just, it has been gloomy out lately. It's been gloomy. And I think we had a few nice days that just like really, I know for me, it, it gave you hope. Yeah, it gave me hope, exactly. And then it was like, oh, and now we have days of just rain and fog. What was and it? Um, my, one of my favorite, favorite comedians. Oh, no, this is a reminder that he's one of the late great comedians, oh. uh, Norm MacDonald. Oh, um, yes. oh, I love Norm, but he, one of my, his favorite specials, uh, he goes, I don't give a fuck what Obama says. Hope is never good. Don't try it. <laughs> And that's what it was. Those those nice days, they gave us hope. Exactly. You know? It's like, oh, spring is just around the corner. I did just use our one cuss word early on, but we can power through it. That's right. We can power through it. (laughs) And you know what? It is a self-imposed rule. It's not like there's FAA regulations on uh, FAA. That's the that's the planes. That's they not. Aren't regulated. <laughs> it's the FCC. Yeah, oh, I mean the FCC the... won't let me be so, to let me be. Uh... Let me see. They try to shut me down on MTV, but it feels okay. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, we might get a studio contacting us here soon. Yeah, we're we're gonna get. Uh, you can't. You can't. You can't use M and M lyrics. Claim. Yeah. You can't use M and M lyrics. And then when I get that call, my my arms will be weak. Like yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, so I wasn't wrong. The FAA is not involved in this show. We have <laughs> that was that, that is event. not wrong. Um, the FAA is not involved. No, in they they podcast. have no regulatory uh, process they on us. Tell us what to do. Not at all. No, <laughs> just acted tough. <laughs> What's up, FAA? FAA, come at us. All right? Okay? You think you can tell us not to swear? Well, that's not your job. (laughs) They they manage swearing on planes. (laughs) It's a really unfortunate job, but someone has to do it. It's tough. (laughs) Yeah, it is tough. It's tough. Uh, so we were talking especially with <laughs> modern day airlines. Uh, oh God, in the TSA regulations, there's so much cussing, especially for flying Delta. Exactly. Oh yeah, if you can't swear, then... this is an anti ad for Delta Airlines. Like, they have not purchased any advertising on the show, no, but they have not. No, not Delta. <laughs> and after this monologue, they never will. But <laughs> <laughs> they are not going to want to support us. No, not even a little not bit. A little bit. Uh, but and I probably have... not the FAA either. Yeah. Oh gosh! FAA, I don't think they would ever. They they wouldn't support us either. I doubt it. They're now we now are they're just alienating so many people. That's our, our job, I think. That's is true. On show. Here at North Idaho, now we just we are alienate here to alienate niche groups niche of people. <laughs> All right. Very bizarre, uh, uh-huh. bizarre and groups. And then tell you the news. <laughs> and then right. 
just insult, br- uh, bring you down and then bring you back and up. Bring you back up. Yep. Exactly. Yep. That's it's it's all about life's all about balance, Molly. It is it's <laughs> balance, moderation. Uh, I did want to talk about. Uh, we talked about maybe going and seeing Batman here. Yes, uh, that needs to happen. I mean, we honestly might run into each other at the theater. Yes, um, we might. That, we that might. could definitely I I was happen. Looking up times today, and because I need to go to a matinee, and whoo, I'm excited. I am excited for it. To quote, to quote the Grinch, mm-hmm. "Vengeance." <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying not to have hope that it would be right no you wouldn't want not, you don't want no, help no, no. Uh, go in go in with your expectations low uh-huh. you're and like all right exactly. this is robert pattinson you know uh this is this is the glitter guy he's a glitter guy but he was also um the lighthouse guy that's uh, that's a great film it's a great and i have tried to talk to people about this a lot uh-huh. like robert pattinson has tried to get away from that role yes he has. and it's unfortunate because like that's what he's most known for mm-hmm. but he's actually a good actor he's a um, very talented actor there is a bizarre fit like do not watch this is not a family film mm-hmm. um but there is one it's a netflix film with uh who's the kid that plays spider-man uh tom holland yes yeah. tom, okay tom holland see i always get him confused with hardy Oh, with Tom Hardy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always get them confused. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's the main character of this, and then Robert Pattinson comes in about halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like in the the Bible Belt, you know, and and Robert Pattinson plays this like cult ish like type Southern okay. Bap- Southern Baptist preacher. Uh huh. And I just I I watched it because yeah. I was like, okay, this is an interesting cast, right? Definitely. Um, it's a very bizarre film, like like shades of like Lenny with the bunnies from. Grapes of Wrath kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Like, like dark and depressing kind of like that. Um, but, but there is like Robert Pattinson, he knocks out of the park. Yeah. Can you think of him with a, can you think of him with a Southern accent? Oh, I can't he, really, he does it he, pretty good. He like, he screams at the congregation delusions. And you're like, Whoa, okay. All right. It's ain't bad. I kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. This seems, I'm like reading the Wikipedia article. What's now. it called oh, okay. again? Um, it is called The Devil All the Time. Yes, that's the what it's called. Exactly. It, uh, this is not a family movie, by the way. Uh, yeah. Do not watch this with your family. Um, it is It is a... It's not even a horror film. Like, horror it's films like, are, like, grotesquely, absurdly, like, gory and right, stuff to the like point dark, of comical. Like, like, this is dark. Oh, boy. This is really dark. Like, there's there's a scene where, like, they have a praying stump. Yeah. They got a praying stump. A praying stump? He's like, Where, where's daddy? Uh, he's out at the praying stump. It don't work too good. Right, because he's, cause he's uh, no longer alive uh, in the film. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's it's some dark, dark ooh. stuff there. You know um, what I do almost every time I watch a movie, especially a horror movie, I go on doesthedogdie.com. I don't know if you've heard of this <laughs> no. website. Or there's also no. an app, Does the Dog Die? And... It tells you. Yeah, it's just it's like, like yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Does the dog die? Yes. Does the cat die? Yes. Yeah. So then I know, and I'm prepared. And there's also there's all kinds of stuff. Is someone's head squashed? Does someone die oh. of a headshot wound? Like sure. it's very specific. Sure. sure. And and yeah, but it doesn't. You can go into like other details, but usually, yeah, it's like, does the dog die? Yes. Okay. Okay. So now I know that when a dog shows up in the film, I feel like this it's is a, going to die. This is a handy website. It's we should a reach out. Okay. Very handy um, website. Whoever whoever runs this website should reach out to us for advertising. That's we would true. love to have you on we the show. Support does the dog dot com. Would you? <laughs> they. <laughs> would you like to learn if the dog dies? Well, visit did the dog die. 
Gosh, com. I will reach out to them. We'll get them. We'll we'll get sponsored. There's, by them. They've got everybody's reachable nowadays. There's there's they'll definitely hear us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they will hopefully they are also not members of the FAA or nope. uh, Delta Airlines or because, or IP like IPAs or something about the Olympics. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. boy. Boy, we're we're just chalking up. I mean, it's okay. Great. To be fair, like we're also probably making friends. Like that, like that's true. You can if you can you have also, shared hatred. Uh, don't like IPAs, the yeah. Olympics, the FAA, or uh, oh, Delta Airlines. Delta Airlines or we, parades. We would be BFFs. <laughs> uh-huh. Or parades. Or parades, which we'll we'll get to a pseudo parade here in a little while. So, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, no, I okay. I'm I'm very excited to go see this film. I, um, I have not actually wanted to go see a movie in the theaters for in a very long time. Mm. Um, not not just because of the pandemic. Like no, like just... I, I was. I think I mentioned in the last show that the last one I went and saw was The Incredibles two. Very, I was What's okay. I am not, and I'm I'm not a Pixar fan. Right. Or like oh, I I don't watch sure. animated films all the time. Mm-hmm. Kind of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love The Incredibles, and I was like, I need to go see The Incredibles two. Um, didn't that live was up. Like 2018. Yeah, it was a while ago. Ooh, yep, I remember. I remember. Person I went with fall, fell asleep in the theater. <laughs> so <laughs> that shows. Yeah, it wasn't, the last wasn't great. The movie I saw in the theater was Scream 5. Scream 5. Scream 5? I am out myself as a Scream fan. I love all of the Scream The Scream movies. films. So much. We could talk I, horror films on here. Yeah, we, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I do. I am a horror film fan. I uh, but yeah, the scream movies. There is something about them, the nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I was just at a bar uh, not too long ago. I know I went to a bar. It's weird. What? Um, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, and they had on the TV uh, Hellraiser, <laughs> the original. Yeah. The original, like very oh, cheesy one. Yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've been going back and watching like a lot of '90s and 2000s, just like slashers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I do, it, it is. It's just there's fun. They're not like. No, it's so it's, it's so ridiculously gory that it it's is. like the part of it's like almost cartoonish. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's like you kind of know what to expect from them and the one that stays in my head like the most cartoonish one where I where I literally laughed out loud mm-hmm. was uh the waterbed scene from Friday the 13th. Or not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Nightmare Street. Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. That's Johnny Depp, right? That he, I, think I, so. I think so. That was like his first his first yep. role. Yeah. Yeah. Like where cause, oh, I mean yeah. it's like a obs- like yeah, in. Yeah, there's like and then, yep. Yeah, there's so like out yeah. all of the blood. Blood yeah. and the water and the yeah. water from the waterbed. The Nightmare and on Elm Street. So yeah, big Wes Craven fan. Ooh, I yeah. loved Wes I mean still love him. Sure. Late sure. Wes, Wes Craven. Yes. Sure. I could see that. Yeah. All right. I could, I could yeah, do that. Yeah, just kind of the pop culture cheesy slasher movies. Yes, I'm all about that. I'm a fan. Some, it's, I'm definitely a, a victim of like the nostalgia from like the '90s and '80s. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely, you know, like as as a '90s kid, like right. early '90s kid, not 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 one of those like you know you can sit on the council but you're not a master like '99 mm-hmm. babies. Sure. Like the, right. if you understood that Star Wars reference. Uh-huh. Um, like uh-huh. I, I'm an er, like an early '90s kid, so I got to experience the '90s. But like when you go through the '90s, there's always that holdover from the previous generation of yes. '80s. So there was a lot of that. Like I listened to cassettes and that kind right. of thing. Oh, like yeah. it was it was big. Mm-hmm. So um, plus you know especially when you're a decade behind technology. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, do you know anybody that still uses an iPod or a Zoom? No. There you go. See, so we we have it. We have at least phased that out. We have. Yeah, no more zooms. I do know people that have CD players. 
not Walkmans, not like no, mobile, but no, but they'll but... pop in a CD at home kind of thing. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. become bigger and bigger nowadays. Like it's starting to. the home, like inner, like it or yeah. not not getting bigger, bringing back, bringing it back. Like yeah. the the home entertainment of like a record player right. and the CD but player, they do like that. And like the vinyls coming back. That's kind of cool. Pretty cool. That is kind of yeah. cool. Even throwing in an old cassette tape. Mm-hmm. Those even have something. Those even have some uh, rarity nowadays. Yeah, when I uh, my old car, my old blue Chevy Lumina, how old uh, Oh yeah, baby. <laughs> Whew, that I I ran that baby to the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it only had a tape player, and so I went to like a thrift store and I bought a bunch of tapes. And one of the ones that I would always listen to was Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! What a solid choice, baby. You're my tenderoni. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like I, I, I think we talked about we talked about CDs before, mm-hmm. uh, and what our first CDs right. were. That's right. But like tapes, I, I never had my own tapes that were like holdovers from my dad. Okay, yeah. Um, so I got a lot of Simon and Garfunkel. I got a lot Ooh, of yeah. The darkness, my old friend. Yes, and, uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That was uh, that was a solid. Those are solid choices. Those are good choices. Oh, they it's were. Good tape. It was okay. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got like a lot of okay. Last thing, actually, I want to end it on. Have you seen uh, what we do in the shadows? Yes. Yes. I just actually started rewatching it because I was I was like, oh, it, it's so good. It is so good. So funny. It plays right into like like there's one part of me that like the the macabre like uh-huh. you know the dark side of things, but also it's hilarious. It's, it's a mockumentary it's style. Ridiculously funny. And it's got the that British dude that I can never remember his name, but He's like my favorite comedian British actor. He's in a whole bunch of stuff, mm-hmm. um, like Toast of. These uh, a lot of British films, um, okay. but yeah. oh, he's hilarious! God, I can't remember his name. He's so oh, he's hilarious. Anyway, no, that show I've been I've been rewatching that, and man, that it's is so good. That I is so I good. I want to do either a Halloween costume or a cosplay of Nadja. Mm-hmm. Be yes. I love Nadja. Mm-hmm. She is. The character, the characters in that show are just—they're amazing. They're phenomenal. Characters. But and it's not just a movie too. No. Yeah. I didn't yeah. Know there's a movie. a movie. Yeah. Oh. And Taika Waititi is in it. Oh really? And yeah, it's so good. It, yeah, I don't know if it's almost on anything that guy is in is good. Yes, Jojo Rabbit yeah. was so good. You Jojo know, Rabbit I, was solid. It was. It's it a good was movie. Solid. I even and I looked up on DoesTheDogDie.com. Does the rabbit die? If you want to know, go to Does the Dog Die. <laughs> I knew exactly what minute, and I went to the bathroom at that moment. Giving a lot the... of free press to this random website, know, but sorry, but <laughs> it just gives every, it just gives everyone a virus. Like everybody, everybody's computer. It's actually a mass scam, and if you go there, yeah. then all of your money will go to yeah. me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ha, 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 ha. Just kidding. That is a joke. That is a joke. We do not steal money here at the <laughs> at, at the at the North Idaho. No, we only. Talk about doesthedogdie.com. Right, exactly. Okay, are we ready for some Moving news on. now? Moving on. Moving we'll on to some news. All right. Initial successor, total failure. Mad Bomber Brewing Company, located in 9265 North Government Way in Hayden, Idaho, is a veteran-owned operated business that has been serving Idaho since 2013. Swing by the brewery today and try a staff favorite. Not, not, not all the staff. Uh, the 6.6% ADIBU Crossfire Citra IPA. This light-bodied beer is an easy-to-drink IPA for IPA people with a crisp citrus flavor and aroma. That's 
Sounds so good. Mm. Be sure to check out the special events throughout the week, including trivia on Mondays, all day happy hour on Tuesdays, open mic night on Wednesdays, discounted growler fills on Thursdays, and live music on Fridays and Saturdays. Mad Bomb Brewing also offers a wide selection of ciders from North Idaho Cider for those who may not want beer, which understand. I get it. I understand. Located in your triple play, come by and mention the podcast when you order to receive $1 off your first beer or cider. Mad Bomber Brewing, recklessly brewed in Hayden, Idaho. Uh, so real quick, what is your favorite beer right now at Mad Bomber? Hmm, like currently on tap or like of, of all time? Whatever. Of all time, time maybe, at, yeah. at, at all time of Mad Bomber. And this this plays into, so not to just pick for Mad Bomber, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pick. Um, I like Reds. Okay. So, okay. uh, at, so at, 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 um, the, well, am I wearing my radio hat? No, mm-hmm. but we, but radio advertises on the show, so we can talk about them too. <laughs> uh, radio has yet to do a red, I don't think. Mm. I don't think so, but no, I, I no, like, I don't think they have so like, uh, uh, one of the advertisers that we've had before, Wallace Brewing, they yes. do, uh, the red light red. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorites. That's a good one. Um, but, uh, Mad Bomber does, uh, the tripwire red Ooh, and it okay. is very delicious. Mm. I'm, I just, I'm a big, uh, red fan. It, to me. It has the perfect blend of both light and dark. Yeah, like you I like get red beers too. You get mm-hmm. not not red like putting clamato in. Right, like, but like actual. Yes, yes. like a red ale. Mm-hmm. Even even I can even handle uh, an IRA like an India red ale. Okay. Um, it's it's again it falls into the IPA category esque, but right, but I can right. handle that. Um, there's just it's it's like the perfect balance of everything that I like in a beer. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not too heavy, but it's not too light. Gotcha. Um, yeah. It yeah. it's, has a perfect body and good and good flavor. Usually like a nougaty, uh, caramelly kind of kind of yeah. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Good. Okay, All let's right. jump into Cordelaine Post Falls Press headlines. Wednesday, March second. Yeah, March second. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I know my months. January, February, March. Come on, yeah, chance. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we know what day it is. I was out it in fourth grade. I did not know the months. Uh-oh. I didn't. Fourth grade. Fourth grade, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I was called out by my elementary school teacher, and she made the entire class sing the song to me. <laughs> like, at me. Like, directed right. at me. No, that's Shout out to Miss Emmett. Thanks for that. Thank you, Miss Emmett. But now we know that it is March. She also, she also, uh, she was also famous uh, in Prairie View Elementary for uh, putting kids in a cardboard box. Oh, Miss Emmett. Miss oh. Emmett. Was all about the pod. <laughs> no, no. Uh, hey, no. I learned a lot. I no, learned a lot. No, she, I, I learned. I, I learned how to do cursive in that box. Oh boy! Writing on the walls. I'm just kidding. There, <laughs> just hell, just kidding. That's a joke. Yeah. No, I learned. I learned discipline. I, I came out. I came out a better person. It's like That's when you. Right. It's like when you come out of the hole. You know? Oh, you come out a better person. You go- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. High rise hopeful. This is by Bill Bewley. Another high rise could be coming to downtown. The city's Design Review Commission recently gave the green light by a 5-0 vote to Tom Adry, Adril? Adril, and Front Row Properties LLC proposed 18-story mixed-use development at 3rd and Front, which is currently a parking lot and bank ATM drive through Quote, the Thomas George would stand 199 feet and be home to 60 condominiums, 120 parking spaces over five levels, two commercial spaces on the ground floor, and third floor amenities including a pool, fitness center, clubhouse, and golf simulator. Sounds swanky. Quote, I really like what I see, said Design Review Commissioner John Ingalls. Architect Monty Miller, Monty Miller of Miller Stauffer 
Architects, boy, lots of names in this one, gave an hour-long presentation to the commission on February 24th. He said the city has 21 design guidelines covering areas such as lighting, sidewalk uses, entrances, ground floor windows, weather protection, and roof edges. Roof edges. That's man. They really got it down to the science. The development compiled with the, with them all. Miller said, but for for the one regarding no curb cuts, and he said that they were within inches of using what is already on Third Street for par- for the parking lot. He said they hope to have food service businesses in the two commercial spaces, about three thousand total square feet on Front Street. Each condo owner would be allowed two parking spaces. They would be there would be no parking for visitors or customers. Ooh, uh, members only club. The building would be a neutral tone that works well with the brick tones of the other downtown buildings, Miller said. Much of the exterior of the building would be glass. It would have wood accents relative to the timber industry and medallions with historic context, Miller said. Miller added the indoor parking stalls would not be visible from the outside. There would be two parking levels below ground and three above. Quote, you really don't even know that there's parking in the building, he said. City staff reviewed the project late last year and again earlier this year. It's not required to go before the Planning and Zoning Commission or City Council as it was not seeking deviation from what is already allowed in the area. It met the downtown core design guidelines, but for for one that calls for no curb cuts. Miller requested they be allowed to cur- curb cuts on 3rd Street to allow for the entrance and exit to the parking garage, and the commission agreed. I'm assuming curb cuts literally is what it sounds I like. I think so. Yeah. I, yeah. I, like you're like you're sanding that, cutting down, cutting, cutting down the curb. Yeah. yeah. Cutting yeah. down the curb. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Quote. Without a doubt in my mind, all the guidelines have been fully met, Ingalls said. Tammy Stroud, the city's associate planner, said the downtown core zoning district established in 2005 allows structures up to 200 feet tall. This one will be 199 feet tall. <laughs> How perfect. Quote, the mixed-use project didn't meet the basic development standards noted in the downtown core design guidelines, she said. A study by a Spokane firm found that it would not have significant traffic impacts. The building would be on a 18,912-square-foot parcel at the northwest corner of 3rd and Front. Parking lot was was for the now-closed U.S. Bank at 3rd and Sherman. Ingalls said prior to 2005, there were no height limits or design standards for the downtown core. Quote, Quite a bit has happened to downtown since 2005, he said. So much has changed. During two recent public hearings on the city's 2022-42 comprehensive plan, some raised... 2042, that's not a real deal. (laughs) Some raised concerns it did nothing to restrict high-rises and said they feared more high-rises could go up. Design Review Commission Chairman Tom Messina said it's not their intent to support high-rises. He said the project meets the city's zoning requirements and design guidelines, was not was not asking for anything out of the ordinary, and does not encroach on anyone's property. Quote, I believe it's a very attractive building, Messina said. The land is owned by Front Row Properties, LLC. Right. I mean, as long as it looks cool, I guess. I, I, it's definitely out of my price range. I was I'm never say, getting in I was there, like, but man, I got a little I'll never see what the inside like, is, cool but and, sure, whatever. But, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good for them. It's good for them. Yeah. All right. Moving on. There was a man killed in Hauser Lake shooting by Kay Thurnbro. A shooting Monday night left one person dead and another injured. Police identified 44 year old Adam J. Bennett as a person of interest in the case. Bennett was arrested and booked into the Kootenai County Jail for two active warrants. Additional charges may be filed after an investigation is complete, police said. The Kootenai County Sheriff's Office responded around 7.45 p.m. Monday to a report of a structure fire and a shooting with multiple victims in the area of Hauser Lake Road and Highway 53. Hauser Lake Fire and Kootenai County Fire and Rescue also responded to the scene. 
Deputies found a deceased man at the scene, later identified as Dennis Rogers, a 77-year-old Hauser Lake resident. Before the shooting, police said, Rogers spotted an unidentified suspect setting a fire near a chicken coop. He reportedly armed himself with a gun and went outside to investigate. The suspect allegedly overpowered Rogers, took the gun, and shot him. The suspect then allegedly shot another person who was later transported to Kootenai Health with non-life-threatening injuries. Witnesses said they saw a man running from the scene after the shooting. When deputies initially arrived on the scene before they knew of the deadly shooting, they reportedly sent out three pages for additional personnel to help secure the scene. Only two deputies responded. Kootenai County Sheriff Bob Norris told the press that the inadequate response was because of severe staffing shortages at the jail, which have stretched the remaining staff thin. Patrol deputies are working overtime at the jail, which is severely understaffed, and at dispatch. Some deputies are simply too fatigued after working 40 to 60 hours of overtime in two weeks to respond to another page. Quote, we're plugging these holes and it's just getting to the point that we're sinking. Uh, end quote. Officers from the Coeur d'Alene Police Department and the Spokane County Sheriff's Office helped KCSO secure two crime scenes related to the shooting. This is the sixth shooting reported in Kootenai County so far in 2022. Oh, no. Stop shooting people. Stop shooting people. It's not... And don't light chicken coops on fire. Well, that too. Goodness. Is there, is there a corresponding website to Did the did chickens the chicken die? die? But you know, does the dog die? We have an idea for you now. Mm -hmm, Does mm -hmm. the chicken die? Spin off. Spin off. Spin off site. We could just, ooh, that's a new podcast idea. We just sit here and we go through every movie and say what animals. What animals die? Oh my goodness. That would would be a, that would break me, I think. (laughs) I can't do this anymore. I can't do it. Too many animals have Mm. perished. Well, I mean in the movie, but. Feels like it's real. <laughs> unless, unless, unless this is a movie on Thomas Edison, it's, it, yeah. what they didn't actually. Oh, they'll say autopsy. Oh, elephants getting electrocuted. Not great. Not great. Don't you don't, electrocute. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google Thomas Edison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Thank goodness we have electricity. Yeah. <laughs> Te- Tesla didn't electrocute any elephants, so mm-hmm. just just saying. Thought food for thought there. Thought. All right, moving on. Thursday, March third. Truck, yeah. Um, this is this is a play on of a country song that uh, is by Tim McGraw that I um, don't particularly like. So uh, it's it's hard for me to say that with any enthusiasm. That song, it's I like Tim McGraw, but not that song. Uh, Truck, yeah, is by Devin Weeks. Even as the rain began to fall, uh, North Idahoans stood proud and tall, waving banners, balloons, and flags of every size, variety, and condition. Masses lined overpasses and stretches of Interstate 90 to show their support for the American Freedom Convoy as it rolled through Kootenai County Wednesday morning. Quote, I'm here for my children's future and that we continue to have freedom in this country. Kimberly Cloward of Rathrum tearfully said as she waved a tattered American flag bearing the words of the Second Amendment. Quote, I'm scared for their future and I just want them to have the life I had growing up, she said. Residents from across the county gathered over the freeway to wave and cheer for truckers as they make their way to Washington, D.C. in protest of COVID-19 pandemic mandates. Many bundled in winter gear, some wore camouflage, and others wore cowboy hats. They brought their babies, their Bluetooth speakers, and some captured the excitement using drones. Nolan Gall of Post Falls slowly waved a Second Amendment flag attached to a 24-foot pole 
that's a that's a big pull above those who cheered from the Greens Ferry overpass in Post Falls. He rep- I I wrote the story about uh, when they first made that overpass. <laughs> he represented his family members involved in the convoy as well as his relatives who have fought for freedom in the past wars. He said his family also suffered losses fighting in the Civil War as well. People sang the Star Spangled Banner, their voices harmonizing with the deep bellow, bellowing horns that came from truckers on the interstate below. Quote, it's beautiful, Hannah Smith of Post Falls said. I've cried about three times. I believe in this country. I believe in our freedom. Everything that is going on right now is absolutely ridiculous just to see this many people out. And I know that they're on every single bridge in Kootenai County from here to end to end. Also in Shoshone. That's incredible. And I'm so proud to be an American and part of this community. Okay, Molly, first question. Does this qualify as a parade? Oh, because regardless if I agree with them or not, I might have to say that I'm not okay with this because podcasts anti parades. Oh, that's a that's a great question. Does does, does the, convoy the convoy qualify as a parade? As a parade, because I I might I might like why they're driving, but I have to be against it because I I just, if, I can't support a parade. I'm sorry. A public procession, especially one celebrating a special day or event, including marching bands and floats. This says a public square or promenade. Okay, so so not quite a parade. I don't think so. So I think we're okay here okay. as far as you go. I don't All right, know. so then I don't then I don't have to be uh then I don't have to just blatantly be against this. I'm okay with that. Yep. All right. That's not good. It's good to hear. Yeah, I, I don't care. I don't care what your cause is, but just don't do a parade. Just don't have a parade. Just don't have a parade. It's not. It's easy. You just don't. Just throw candy at children. <laughs> no, don't just do have that. a party. Don't do I don't that. know. <laughs> Something, anything. Something, but a parade. We're gonna close the streets. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Um. And, and so, and uh, as I read this, it sounds like it's the the COVID stuff. Um, might be a little behind the times on that. I'm, most of the COVID stuff is. Granted, it depends on the state. Um, True, but it sounds like a lot of the 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 COVID pandemic restrictions are starting to starting to. Yeah. I mean, in in Idaho, we pretended COVID didn't happen, so that's true. It, <laughs> very true, especially here, yeah, North Idaho. Yeah, like, it's yeah. it's definitely it didn't it didn't doesn't didn't happen. COVID um, never heard of her. No, <laughs> COVID. Huh? Sounds sounds like one of my exes. <laughs> Force will respond if necessary. This is by Bill Bewley. The president of the Kootenai County Task Force on Human Relations said if it becomes necessary, it will respond to a planned gathering in Hayden Lake of a white supremacist group this month. Quote, we honestly don't know if a group will even come to Hayden, Christy Wood said Tuesday. If a group does come to Hayden, we would support that community. You can expect us to stand up and do so. But we have not responded because we don't know that it's actually going to occur. End quote. Coeur d'Alene resident Randy Neal spoke to the Coeur d'Alene City Council regarding his concerns with the Aryan Freedom Network's plans for a March 12th event in Hayden Lake. Quote, that kind of group is not welcome in North Idaho, he said. Well, frankly, it shouldn't really be welcome anywhere. End quote. An AFN spokesman in Texas previously told the press it would be an indoor event on private property, not a parade or good. rally. That's good. He's, that is good. We do. Oh boy. He said Hayden Lake has sentimental value to the AFN as it is used to be home to the now defunct Aryan Nations, a white supremacist group. Neil expressed fears it could encourage others with similar views to come to North Idaho. Quote, I don't want to see a resurgence of hate in our community, Neil said. 
He told the council when he was recently in Pocatello, and people knew he was from Coeur d'Alene, their first question was, are you racist? And quote, being from Coeur d'Alene automatically makes you a racist, Neil said. It's absurd, end quote. He called on the community to continue to work to shake off that reputation throughout our own state and throughout the country. Hmm. Hmm. So first off, I can't think of anything worse than a Nazi parade like that. That's my worst nightmare right there. Oh, my goodness. A Nazi parade. A Nazi parade? That a, a, a white supremacist parade. Is, Absolutely it's not. It's my worst nightmare. That, yeah. That's that's terrible. We are definitely against, definitely against that. Nazi parades. Uh, against, against all gatherings of Nazis, True. but especially that's Nazi especially parades. A Nazi parade? Yeah, that's not. Oof. That's, that's, oh, just gives me, I can't even think about it. it makes me I so angry. I can't even. It's not. <laughs> like, just imagine, I imagine like driving, trying to get home. You're like, oh no, I'm yeah. stuck. I'm stuck. I'm yep. stuck. What parade is this? Oh my, oh, it's, it's Nazi. just a bunch of Nazis? Mm. Ah, that, that is a nightmare. That is truly a nightmare. Okay. So, uh, I mean, it's so, okay. It sounds like this gathering of Nazis uh, is not as necessarily, uh, no. thankfully not as big uh, as, as you know, as it was made out to be, especially initially. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be kind of contained, but uh, yeah, this, the, they're, they're keeping an eye on it, I guess. Um, there is, there Which is that. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if, if look, if they want to be um, racist assholes in their basement, uh, I guess. This I guess is a free country. This is a free country. So people, people are allowed to be assholes in their basements. Yes, they are. <laughs> for better or for worse. And you're also allowed to be a kind person. You are. You are. Just you are. You can also you be a. <laughs> you walked. You walk down into a basement. And it's just like love everyone, and you're like, wow, I was not expecting this. This is not. This is a interesting <laughs> basement. Okay. <laughs> this, this is you are you are a you, why are you closet this, happy? This like is a different vibe than I thought. Why like are like you an opposite closet happy. Like like in in like in real life, they're just like terrible people. You're like, I bet that guy is like this the worst person on the planet, right? Human. And then like you go to his house and it's just like puppies He's and actually, like, yeah. <laughs> sparkly person oh my god uh, <laughs> okay it's like this is where i send money to africa right this is yeah this is the this is the wall that all the children that i sponsor yeah and you're like what is, what why, who are you i just watched you throw money at a homeless man yesterday like <laughs> why are you kind yeah. out, out in public Oh, <laughs> uh, I love this this hypothetical person we just created. Me too. They'd well, be a fan of the podcast. His name would be Frank. Aww. We love Frank. <laughs> Frank. Thank you, Frank. Frank is a confusing individual. He's very confusing. He's misunderstood is what he is. He is. We just need to, <laughs> if we just, just speak to him just a little bit. Okay. Uh, we're moving into Friday. Yeah, Friday. Friday, March 4th. Ukraine Heartbreak. This is by Devin Weeks. The world that Ukraine artist Yaroslav Lenitz observed and translated into beautiful paintings has disappeared. Quote, I always sought to show something beautiful and real, he wrote in a letter. The land I once painted is now desolate, smoking ash. The people I would draw are gone. Ooh, that's dark. <laughs> Lenitz, a young modern artist, is moving from bomb shelter to bomb shelter in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev as Russian forces ravage his homeland. The war might be 5,400 miles away from North Idaho, but Lenitz's work 
work are hanging in the Art Spirit Gallery at 415 Sherman Avenue, tightening the connection between the people of Coeur d'Alene and those fighting for their lives half a world away. It was serendipitous how Art Spirit happened upon Lennon's work, and spine-chillingly coincidental how his paintings were hung just as war broke out in Ukraine. Curator Paris Ritchie found his art on Instagram and contacted him in December. Quote, The series that caught my eye was a family series, he said. It was the circle of life from birth to death. Then he just showed us his perspective of Ukraine. He was born there. The way he described it was just his paints the life around him, figures, landscapes. That's how he communicates with the world. No one could have known that when his oil paintings went on display in Coeur d'Alene, he and his loved ones would be in hiding. Quote, my family and I have become hostages of this situation like the whole country, Lennox wrote. Quote, I've never seen anything like it, and I wouldn't wish it on anyone. War is horror. War is murder, bloodshed, fear, and destruction. When you watch a movie about war, you do not fully understand it. Art Spirit Gallery owner Blair Williams said that after his paintings went up, she and her staff were moved to tears. Richie said that she's been keeping in touch with Lennitz. He said he's okay. They have been just moving every single hour, she said. He has the he has said kindergartens are bombed. When you war, walk out into the streets, it's just rubble. Lennox's piece, uh, piece called Children depicts kids playing in a grassy park with shady trees. And to think that brightness does not currently exist in the country is deeply upsetting, Williams said. The show opens at 11 a.m. Saturday. Richie said she hopes that it will motivate locals to be involved and share the support of Ukraine. A bench has been placed in front of his pieces to give people a place to rest as they process the art and take to heart the devastation the artist and his fellow countrymen are experiencing. Quote, Unfortunately, war is very easy for some people to talk about. Unfortunately, many people believe that there is, is nothing serious in this. Unfortunately, many people think that everything will be quickly forgotten and will pass, that this land will recover, but no, no, it will not, Lennox wrote. Boy, that's a, that's a tough situation. I can't even, it's like, I kind of mentioned this before in the last podcast, like war, war always seems like so far away. Um, when, does, when a, right. ma- when a major war was going on, like mm-hmm. the last time, you know, the, the Iraq invasion, it, I was very young right? and it just, you know, it, it seemed like something that w- adults were worrying about and adults were handling. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it seems so very adults. far away. Yeah. And now you understand this yeah. would probably be the first time. And it might even almost be one of the first like wars where like modern day, so like social media and everything are right. exist. Exactly. So we have more now more than ever, we see. We have like front row seats to to what is happening. What is happening? Like That's we, so I mean, true. you can see every day, like it's everyday not as people. Easy to to ignore, which is good. Like we should be aware, and we right? should be, yeah, yeah, doing what we can to support those who are, gosh, going it's through tough. horrific times right now. Yeah, I agree. Okay, alrighty, moving on. Probation recommended for NIC by Hannah Neff. North Idaho College has received an ominous report from a panel representing the institution's accrediting organization. I love that word, ominous. I do too. That Mm -hmm. is a good word. That's a good one. Probation and the potential for the state to step into a college oversight role are both being recommended. The report, distributed on campus Thursday afternoon, listed scores of concerns, some serious enough to suggest the college's accrediting organizations put NIC on probation. The panel also recommends that the Northwest Commission on Colleges and Universities inform the Idaho State Board of Education of the probationary status and the serious threat to NIC accreditation if actions are not taken soon. 
and encouraged the Idaho State Board of Education to implement supervisory oversight of immediate actions by the NIC Board of Trustees and administration to restore compliance with NWCCU standards and eligibility requirements for accreditation. The panel found that the college is currently in compliance with standards and requirements regarding financial resources, yet the area needs improvement. However, according to the report, the longer the Board of Trustees issues continue, the greater the stress and potential nosedive of NIC finances in the short term and long term. Investigators concluded the area should be closely monitored by NWCCU to assess the ongoing financial impacts of the upheaval created by board actions. Disruptions in NIC governance have resulted in the departure of critical leadership, a Moody's change of prospects from stable to negative, losses of donors, and uncertainty regarding future fundraising success. The panel also found the college to be substantially in compliance with standards and eligibility requirements regarding human resources, but in need of improvement. Given the significant turnover of administrators and the hiring of an interim president with little executive administrative experience, there is a significant concern regarding whether the institution employs faculty, staff, and administrators sufficient in role, number, and qualifications to achieve its organizational responsibilities, educational objectives, establish and oversee academic policies, and ensure the integrity and continuity and continuity of its academic programs. Was, the it, continuity? Said. was it continuity? Yeah. There uh, you go. Yes, it is. Continuity. There we go. Oof. I got you. Thank you. The NWCCU peer panel recommended the NWCCU monitor actions of the college to assess movement toward compliance according to the schedule, as well as conduct a campus visit this fall. An unscheduled meeting between Sabali, NIC accreditation liaison officer Steve Kurtz, and the NWCCU was canceled, with access to the final report given instead. Sabali said the college has 10 days to prepare a response and then meet with the NWCCU's executive committee. The NWCCU will then evaluate the final peer report recommendations, review the response, and vote on recommendations and actions. NIC will be informed of the NWCCU's decision in a letter of action, the final statement within 10 days of their vote. While a date hasn't been set for the meeting with the NWCCU's executive commission, Sabali said in an email that the various 10-day timelines give him a sense that they may see a conclusion to the current process and the letter of action by late March or early April. Okay, so, I mean, it could be worse, right? Could be worse. It could be could be losing accreditation. Exactly. That kind of thing. Yeah. This yep. would be this would be the equivalent of a slap on the wrist kind of thing. Exactly. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Well. All right. I mean, not ideal, but but could be worse. Mm-hmm. Let's move into Shoshone News Press headlines for Friday, March fourth. I'll start us out. Headline: ITD targets Silver Valley bridges for replacement. I I worked this one up myself. Uh, we're just going to jump through some of the highlights of this story because we talked, uh, while they are targeting some bridges uh, for replacement, this is just for you know anybody who drives on I-90 uh, from Washington to Montana, and it, if you're going to go through the area, especially in the summer, uh, you might want to be aware of these uh, projects because, uh, well, you're going to have some delays. Uh, motorists of the Silver Valley are set to see many orange cones and construction zones in their future as the Idaho Transportation Department kicks off a series of local projects in the next couple weeks. 
ITD Public Information Officer Megan Jans explains that the first project on the radar is the complete replacement of Interstate 90 bridges going over Division Street and Kellogg, that's milepost 50.6, and Elizabeth Park Road, milepost 52. Work is expected to begin either Monday, March 7th, or March 14th, depending on the weather, and finish in approximately two years. Yes, two years. Motorists should expect intermittent single lane closures, traffic signals, and crossovers uh, crossovers to the bridge that will not be working uh, now that will not be worked on, uh, start, starting with the eastbound bridges. Jans explains that a crossover is when each direction of traffic has been reduced to a single lane to two lanes total, and then shifted it shifted to one direction or the other. Looking forward, ITD has five other projects lined up that are planned to begin sometime this year. Uh, that would include the westbound Golconda Bridge and Lookout Pass guardrail replacement projects. Those are set to begin in April or May. Then moving on after that, you've got projects in June, uh, the Cedars to Dudley and Wallace to Mullen repaving projects. And then after that, uh, we've got some projects that aren't necessarily set yet, but they are going to happen sometime this summer. Uh, work on the Hilltop Overpass Bridge. And then there's the Fun Ramps uh, Reconstruction Bridge uh, Project, where they're going to be basically tearing up um, roughly 10 on or off ramps uh, throughout the Silver Valley. So uh, folks who are either living here or planning on visiting the Silver Valley in the summer and fall, uh, prepare for road work. Because it's happening. It's coming. And it needs to happen. So I'm grateful. Uh, Especially this. We have had, it seems like we've had, granted, this is the time of year where we all complain about potholes. Yes. But it seems particularly bad this year. It really, I agree. The only one that, the only year that like goes a little higher is the year, did you, did you get to experience the bumps in I-90? Like right before Kellogg? So like the sure. EPA was doing like this big project uh-huh. next to the I wrote I wrote a story about it. I sorry, the EPA and the ITD de- definitely disagree on why the bumps are there. Oh. Um but there are these like trenches that literally sunk into the road next to Kellogg. Mm-hmm. And when you hit them it would literally like just throw oh, your yeah. suspension oh, out of whack. But they were perfect straight lines that went across both east and westbound lanes from the big slag pile mm-hmm. to the river. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was they just happened to appear when the EPA was what? building a project that was depositing uh, affluent from the Bunker Hill right. to the river. Total total coincidence, of though. Of course. Yeah. That does sound like a heck of a uh, The EPA and, the I- and ITD have disagreed on... What exactly those bumps are. Yes, uh, the, EPA, oh, the EPA maintains that it could be an ancient riverbed. <laughs> could be uh well could be it could be swamp gas trapped in a weather balloon what what is that he's saying in men in black swamp gas trapped oh come on i i used i used to be able to know it off the top of my head it was like that it's like that um a swamp gas from a weather balloon was trapped in a thermal pocket and reflected the light from venus <laughs> That's why there were bumps in the road. <laughs> uh, Men in Black, very much an underrated film. Oh, I, I, I love, love I love Men in Black so much. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is one of my favorite films. Is is very good. It is a really good one. Okay, Molly, what Alrighty. do we got? Uh, so it was a busy month for Kellogg High School students. 
February, and I wrote this story. Mm -hmm. February has been a busy month for Kellogg High School music and performing arts teacher Adam Ream. Ream, along with his jazz band and select choir students, recently attended the Lionel Hampton Jazz Festival in Moscow, where they brought home some impressive honors. More than 400 student performances, as well as a dozen world-class jazz artists, and nearly 100 workshops make up the festival, which includes team and individual competition and scoring. Quote, looking at our score, we, be we beat a lot of other schools that weren't in our division, end quote. In the division they were competing in, the KHS Jazz Band won first place, performing classic songs such as It Had to Be You, Hit the Bricks, and select choir winning third, singing songs like Blue Skies, Mac the Knife, and Tuxedo Junction. More than 30 students, more than 30 student performers got specific instruction from Reem to prepare them for attending the LHJF a staple of the University of Idaho since the 1960s, and one of the world's largest and oldest educational jazz festivals. The high school musicians competed against students from British Columbia, Alaska, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho. Students not only took part in competitions, but were also able to attend different workshops that were offered. Quote, the students also got to attend some educational classes at U of I, Reem said. Some of them picked classes such as practicing without fear, but there were also dance classes like swing dance or hip-hop, end quote. Hmm. Students were also able to see massive concerts from world-famous jazz musicians like Dee Dee Bridgewater, Chris Potter, and the New York Lionel Hampton Big Band. March doesn't have Reem slowing down, with students planning for choir solo and ensemble competition on March 12th, where 14 students are preparing to compete. Earlier this month, Reem traveled to Northwest Nazarene University with Paige Carlson, who was selected to participate in the All-State Treble Choir. The All-State Treble Choir is made up from the top 150 singers from around the state. Starting in October, audition material was sent out to every choir room in the state. Each auditioner was asked to send recordings of themselves singing scales, warm-ups, as well as the first stanza of America the Beautiful. More than 1,000 singers submitted audition tapes to create the 150-singer ensemble, and Carlson was chosen to sing as a soprano one. Carlson traveled to NNU and spent three days on the campus meeting singers from across Idaho and learning under the direction of Lori Marie Rios, a choral director at College of Canyons in California. After three days of training with the world-renowned educator, Carlson performed with the ensemble in front of nearly 1,000 members. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Very cool. That is cool. I like that they took home first prize. I know. Good job, jazz band. I love it. Excellent. That's And that's state, too. Like It is. Yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool. I think there's an argument to be made that we need to change uh, the color of the masthead for that. Oh. I, you're, you've never met when, when a team wins state usually mm -hmm. like football or something we change the color of the masthead for the school there we go I think we might have to do that now cool. all right moving on what exactly is a hoot nanny mm -hmm. well it's it's a it's a it's a party Josh just kidding uh, this is by this is by <laughs> Josh this is party my, it's 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 a hoot nanny well it's a whoop de doo you never been to a whoop de doo before yeah big old whoop de doo down tell you what what exactly is a hoot nanny? This is by Josh McDonald. Getting ready for a rootin' tootin' good time as the Sixth Street Melodrama and Theater presents its spring production, The Yeehaw Hoot Nanny Hoedown. 
Written and directed by the theater veteran Terry Robinson, the Yeehaw Hootenanny Hoedown takes a page from the variety shows of the Wild West and then adds a personal touch of local humor and slapstick showmanship. Based on the hit television series Hee-Haw, each skit and song and song has a personal connection with the performance and audience members alike, who are encouraged to sing along to the tunes that are they are familiar with, including classics from Johnny Cash, Jelly Parton, Marty Robbins, and John Denver. Ooh, a lot of those. <laughs> I love all of them. Uh, this show features an incredibly talented cast that really shows just how deep the familiar bonds of the Sixth Street Theater run. Joining Robinson in the production is her son, Brady Bogard, daughter-in-law Lauren Bogard, married to Brady's brother, Eli, and her daughter-in-law, uh, daughter, daughter-in-law's father, Scott Peterson. Man, lots of, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, rounding out the all-star cast of six, it's definitely a family, family business. Yes. Uh, rounding out the all-star cast of the Sixth Street veterans are Carl Rowe, Gwyneth Fay, Anita Price, Harley Deuce, and Ed Warren, as well as Tamara Lindrews as, as the uh, accompanist. Accompanist? Yeah, that's yeah. right. For Robinson, directing the show has been a labor of love as she's poured every ounce of nostalgia and memory she could into a fun performance that will have people laughing, singing, and reminiscing. Quote, everyone loves westerns because they are simple and charming and we get the humor, Robinson said. I love gathering gathering together talent and when talented people work together, they become inspired to uh, to be even better. This show is a lot of fun. I really want to be in one of these shows. Oh, I've done many. Have you? Oh, yeah. My dad's the... President of the moment, bro. I so want to be in one. Uh, while we'll there get are... you on the stage, Chance. Love it. That's uh, this, The stage calls to me. <laughs> while there are several standout performances throughout the show, Warren's rendition of Marty Robbins' Big Iron... No, they did not sing Big Iron in this. I love that song. Chance is going to the melodrama. Uh, with the accompanying performances from Brady and Lauren Bogart, we'll have you laughing and cheering as Cornfield Courtney makes a grand comeback in 2022. Cornfield country. Country, sorry. <laughs> With a K. Cur- uh, curtains open on this musical variety show on Friday, March 4th. The show will run from the next three weekends through March 20th, with showtimes on Friday and Saturday at 7 p.m. and then on Sunday at 2 p.m. For more information or uh, to pre-purchase a ticket, call 208-753-8871. Okay, I kind of kind of want to go. I want to go, mm-hmm. and I want yeah, to... Yeah, I'm going to try to make some time to go. I know. If I had more time, I would be doing the melody still. It's this song, I have so... so okay. Fun. Big Iron, like mm-hmm. that song. So first off, it started with I first heard it uh, playing one of my favorite games, Fallout. Yes, Fallout yes. New Vegas. And then later on, I learned like I was singing the song to myself, and my dad goes, "Where did you learn that song?" <laughs> and I go, well, "From my video games." And my, so my father hates this song oh. because my grandfather uh-huh. owned the original vinyl album oh, and would play and it on a nonstop loop. Oh boy! And. He, <laughs> Like my my father will sit in the back and just be like like, um, notches on his pistol numbered one and nineteen more and dad'll just go just say twenty, <laughs> just say twenty like <laughs> like just just total dead fit uh-huh. Japan yeah uh, deadpan just no not having it um, but yes I, I love that song and I actually inherited the album I own it now Ooh. I have the original album so awesome. uh, yeah the the vinyl so uh, I love that and I need to check this out definitely for sure. yeah yeah and and good cast as yeah. always as always. Oh, yeah. All right, let's push north to the Bonner County Daily Bee at a sandpoint. PRLHS Acadeca sets sights on nationals. This is by Emily Bonsant. So I, every time I, I question myself, is it Bonsant? Bonsant. 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 Okay. Sorry, Emily. Sorry, Emily. I will get it right next time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't Maybe, know. Every perhaps. time I. I... <laughs> 
Priest Riverland <laughs> High School's academic decathlon team is headed to state and eyeing nationals. Academic Decathlon, or Academica, is a team competition where students study 10 subjects based around an annual topic. This year, the topic is water, and the students are studying that subject in music, math, literature, economics, science, social science, interview, essay, speech, and impromptu speech. Ann Barker-Simon, teacher at PRLHS and coach of the team, knows the Spartans have a chance to go on to nationals, but is focusing first on the state competition. Last year at State, the Spartans were only a few hundred points from advancing to Nationals, and instead they fell to Marsing. Priest River beat Marsing's score in Regionals and so feel that they may have an edge on the competition. The team has grown over the years and maintains seven dedicated students. The PRLHS Academica team has been around for about 20 years. Quote, in competition, we've done a lot better over the last year, Emily Johnson said. Blake Miller said that he has noticed that the team's scores have gone up throughout the year. Quote, compared to last year, we've got about 1,000 to 200 points better, and we realized we might have a chance to go to nationals. If we keep our hard work together and with our new recruits, we should make it. End quote. PRLHS Academica is one of the smaller teams in the league with only seven members. PRLHS has to compete against Sandpoint High School at local meets due to there not being many Academica teams in the area. SHS has two teams with 15 students each, which means more competition for the Spartans. For state national competition, the top 15 scores per school go on. For PRLHS, that means the seven students they have available for other schools, students compete with each other in order to qualify for a spot. Simon said it is harder to compete against Sandpoint in league due to the drastic change in school size. But in state, PRLHS will compete against schools closer to their size. Although PRLHS's Academica may be a smaller team, the members said they know that their strongest asset is each other. Quote, it is hard since we have always been a smaller school with a smaller team. We've had to put in a lot of work that is reflecting this year as we are doing better. We only compete against Sandpoint because they are the only school in the area that has a team for us to compete against. Even though they are bigger, we are so small and don't have to worry about qualifying for state. We also end up going to state because we have such few kids, end quote. Simon said it is hard for the students to compete against Sandpoint since they are so much larger and have two teams, allowing them to have a large pool to pick from when choosing the top 15. It's sometimes discouraging competing against SHS, Angel said. At the end of each meet, there is an award ceremony, and it typically ends with SHS winning all or nearly all of the awards. The team has seen their overall scores rise by several thousand over the past year. Last year's state competition was virtual, and so the students said they didn't feel the excitement that they would have had in person. After state, the team is itching to be the first PRLHS team to go to nationals, but are disappointed that the contest is online this year instead of person. Academica is not just about winning, but gaining skills that can be used in the future. The students in Simon have seen these public speaking skills and confidence that comes with it to help students in leadership class and take on leadership roles in schools and in sports. Simon said that all the students are involved with extracurricular events such as band, leadership, and sports. They are very, very well-rounded and hard-working students, she said. The students are looking forward to their next competition and next year's topic. PRLHS and SHS Academica teams will be riding together down to the state competition next week. Simon says, say Academica ten times. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Simon says.
Whoa. Simon says, "Akadek, akadek, akadek." P R L H S. Yeah, that was that was really good. Uh, nice work. Um, Thank you. Were you were you ever in any of these uh, um, these like these groups in school? I was not in. I was not in. Uh, they Key did not club, have, Deca. They did not have an Akadeka. Uh, they didn't offer a whole lot at okay. Kellogg High School. Sure. Or maybe I just wasn't aware. I was. I did like speech and drama competitions. Okay. Yeah. So that's close. Yeah. Yeah. I was in something. I was in BPA. Okay. Business yes. Professionals Business of America. America. Yes, I, I was, was. I know of it. I was not involved. No, it's. It, I mean, it was very. I. I did. Uh, I did. Uh, I won. If there, there might be out there in the ether. Mm-hmm. There might be a a broadcast news thing of me and. Ooh. Uh, I get. Oh wow! This is a test of my memory. I believe my partner on that group was her name was Stephanie, uh-huh. and we did like a like a news broadcast, like uh-huh. sitting in front of a table and everything. Um, it probably exists somewhere. My uh, so, my old my old technology teacher probably still has the has somewhere. it somewhere. Yeah, oh, somewhere yeah. out there. Um, and then I also wrote a very long essay on um the the positives of using uh, an exercise ball instead of an office chair. Oh, in the workplace. Okay, strengthens okay. strengthens the core. Uh huh. There, there you go. Very, <laughs> very, very useful information. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Imp- I did a lot of stuff. Yeah, with speech, I did like impromptu. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, my favorite though that I went to state for was impromptu, like improv. Yeah, pretty much. So they'd give you a topic. Yes, and. Yes, and <laughs> they'd give you a topic, and so I remember. Yeah, like mine was Twister. It was like talk for. You get thirty seconds to think about what you're going to talk about, and then you just you just talk. And mm-hmm. I there's a lot of jokes in BoJack Horseman about improv improv yes, being and, a cult. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Definitely, it's, it's a cult. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the improv cult. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. Okay, moving on. Thursday. March 3rd headlines. Solid Waste gets $8 million for upgrades. This is by Anissa Keith. Financial backing for a solid waste infrastructure project got the green light from the county commissioners Tuesday. Commissioners gave approval for the Solid Waste Department to process uh, proceed with taking out an, an $8 million, $733,700 two-year bridge loan with Columbia Bank for the Solid Waste Capital Improvements Project. The project will update solid waste collection sites in the county, some of which are currently without paving or fencing or others which have not been updated for decades. Molly, it sounds like a <sighs> shitty situation. Does. Does. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, quote, the plan is to upgrade our facilities to be able to receive the uh, increase in trash that we see from the growth within the county. Emergency Services Director Bob Howard said Wednesday it's to make us more efficient, but more environmentally friendly to the community and help us to just do a better job. A large portion of the funding will go toward updating the Colburn transfer site on Pinecone Road. Pinecone Road, I love that. Mm, I like quote, that too. Our Colburn site is almost 30 years old, and when it was originally built, it was built for a five-year lifespan, Howard said. Here we are at almost 30 years later, and there have been no change to that site. It's a huge piece of infrastructure that needs to be brought up to standard, so that's what we're doing. The loan with Columbia Bank is an interim lo- interim loan between the bank and the county, also known as a bridge loan. An interim loan is a temporary loan given by a trust, usually a bank, to a government or other qualified borrower. Bridge loans are usually as a financial strategy to avoid directly taking on debt. 
Even though the interim loan with the Columbia Bank will be repaid in two years, the project will take the Solid Waste Department 10 years to pay it back. The United States Department of Agriculture's Rural Development Program will reimburse funding for the project at the end of the two-year loan. Quote, it was in the requirement. USDA requires us to take out an interim loan, a bridge loan, Commissioner, uh, Commission Chairman Dan McDonald said Tuesday. Once the project is accepted, then they fully fund and pay off that bridge loan. It's a construction loan. We know what the interest is. We don't know what the total cost of construction will be. Howard incorporated the repayment timeline into the department's budget. Quote, I built the loan payment into the current budget to be paying off in 10 years, but it's a two-year construction period, Howard said Wednesday. Other projects in the department's, uh, department's improvement project include upgrades to the Idaho Hill, Dufert, and Dickensheet collection sites. Dickensheet. Okay. Quote, right now it's gravel. There's no fencing. And so we're going to secure the sites and pave them to make it a lot better, Howard said, of the Idaho Hill and Dickensheet sites. The public is invited to comment on matters related to the loan for the next 30 days. After that, Solid Waste anticipates advertising for construction bids in May. I mean... It's 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 not it's not polite to talk about, but it's got to be done. It's got to be done. It's got to be done. Uh, Have to have it for modern society. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of all of the things that I suppose we should spend money on, waste management is definitely definitely is is up there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, Moving on to Friday, base camp opens for local soldiers and veterans by Emily Bonsant. Mm The Veterans of Foreign Wars Post 2453 has set up their project, Base Camp, as a place for local veterans to socialize and hang out with their buddies. The Sandpoint VFW has been working on the project for the past few years to provide more resources to local veterans and their families and to encourage use of the VFW facility. Quote, you do not have to be a VFW member or a member in any veterans organization, just a veteran to experience Base Camp. End quote. Base Camp has movies, books, magazines, a sitting area, four large screen TVs, and other entertainment equipment, such as a large pool table and darts. With a small donation, refreshments, ice cream, burritos, candy, coffee, and other goodies will be provided. There is even a playpen with toys in it, if one of the veterans wants to bring their little one, Hunt said. The grand opening will take place at 10 a.m. on Saturday, March 19th, at the Sandpoint VFW Post, located in the corner of 1325 Pine and Division. Quote, all are invited. Hot dogs, chips, and drinks will be provided, and we hope to see a lot of new friends there. The VFW is still looking for donations for books, magazines, toys for little kids, and DVD and Blu-rays. The VFW needs volunteers to work the door to keep the base camp open. Quote, this last element will be a work in progress, and I'm sure we will have a couple of glitches until we can establish ours. The general idea is to have the base camp open as much as possible while still allowing for our current public use. BFW officials said that the base camp will not affect any organizations currently utilizing the facility, and the building will still be available for public use. The hope is to make the open hours available for veterans. If you have any questions or would like to make a donation, you can reach the VFW at 208-263-9613. The base camp is part of an effort by VFW Post 2453 to provide more resources to local vets and their families. Oh, well, that's That good. is a nice story. That yeah, is. That Very is. cool. All right, let's push even further north to the Bonners Ferry Herald. Headline, Thursday, March 3rd. Making the most out of one acre. This is by Emily Bonsant. Here we go. All right. I gotta stretch. All right. 
The Glintons didn't plan to create a homestead on one acre, but that is what their hobby farm, uh, ho their f hobby farming has turned into in pursuit of making the most out of what they could afford. The Glinton family moved from coastal Alaska, where they were unable to garden due to the Alaskan climate. Once they settled in Boundary County, they decided that they would do the most with the resources that they had on hand. After much house hunting and putting out offers on several homes, they settled on one acre with a fixed up fixer-upper home. Sounds like what a lot of people are doing mm -hmm. right now. What first attracted them to the home was the mat, uh, mature trees on the one acre, they said. Quote, I get distracted by the trees. I'm the Lorax, said Kimber, uh, Kimber Glidden, and my husband Gail has always wanted an orchard. They researched holistic orchards in order to map out the number of trees they could put on their property. Through the Montana Fruit Tree Company, which delivers trees to the Glidens, they learned how to lay out an orchard. Glidens were concerned about using the space they had effectively without adversely affecting the area around them. Quote, We have overused our resources as humans to a gross extent, Kimber said. The Glidens take seriously utilizing and caring, doing the most out of the land that they have been able to afford. Quote, What I can do is I can pay attention to my footprint and I have one acre. That's what I can afford she said so it doesn't matter you have one acre you have one you have you have a half acre if you live in an apartment you can only do with what you can the Glidens also have also raise bees bees go to go where there is food since the Glidens can only grow so much on their one acre their six hives will go to the tree farms and neighbors who have larger fields and orchards their neighbor their neighbors crops benefited greatly from the Glidens bees and allowed them to have eight hives due to the food sources around them the Glidens do, do what they can to preserve water by not having a lawn, which hogs uh, which hogs water, and instead planted a small orchard. And water is using the per, uh, per, permaculture. Yeah, permaculture method. Kimber said this retains water from the trees and produces food for the Glidens and their friends, neighbors, and wildlife. They also raise their own meat by way of chickens, ducks, rabbits, and hogs. She said that they have been able to raise so many animals because they have figured out how to lay it out their property well to safely rotate animals. Glidens rotate their hogs locations on the property. Next year they will take a break raising hogs. The following year they will raise the hogs on the other side of the property, rotating them around the acre. Glidens started with with six Leghorn hens from a friend now they have 42 chickens for uh, chickens i love love hate chickens part of that price of the entry is not only buying all the equipment necessary to keep larger animals but the added time commitment quote whether it be vet bills feed bills knowledge but when you start buying big animals that's an investment she said gail glidden kimber's husband has knowledge and experience with hogs from being the swine superintendent for 4-h at the north idaho state fair in Coeur d'Alene. In addition, their daughter has a degree in agriculture from Kansas State. Both Kimber and Gail work full-time, and so they understand the limitations if they branched out to larger animals or more needy animals such as goats and sheep. I used to have a pygmy goat. He was, he was, I love little goats. His name was Steve. The Glidens only raised hogs in the winter months, so they are able to enjoy the outdoors and fishing trips in the summer months. In addition, they raised ducks, rabbits, and bees, and they didn't want to do it overnight. They attributed their success in fly planning and planning well. They started small first, by fencing in the property, and they took time to look over their one acre and getting to know the land. They considered the sun exposure, the soil, and the weather and climate of the property. These are questions the Glidens suggest any landowner look into before starting any uh, starting to update the property. It is hard just to observe your property for, before digging, but it is necessary to plan, and plan well, she said. The hardest part is living with your land and watching it for a while. That is one of the biggest challenges, especially when you're all gung-ho, and then you realize that this thing will have to be moved, since it's not going 
going to thrive there, she said. Another thing to consider is your property full of bugs, Kimber said. She agreed with Joel uh, Salatin that it's not just a slug problem, it's a duck deficiency. As the Glidens have gotten experience farming under their belts, they are moving to conservation breed chickens and ducks to help grow the populations and to provide a better meat option for their family. There are so many resources available online and books for hobby farmers. The Glidens caution people to listen to the experts, experts' expertise, but that is important to adapt advice to your particular piece of property. When starting out, the Glidens advised folks to be flexible and not to be too hard on themselves. People need to remember to laugh at themselves and to not let the heartbreaking part of farm life get them down. Glidden said that they are, are fortunate enough to have an acre that they can lay out well, but they know not everyone has a large enough space. I love this in the fact that I, they I mean, are very self-sufficient they people. They are. Like, it, it, on one part of you, like, you want to just, like, move out into the woods and just be self-sufficient. And it sounds um, like, oh, so it would be so simple, but it's... It's, it's a lot of hard work. So much hard work. Yeah, it's it's uh, a lot of hard work. Yeah, I I definitely I admire I admire anyone that that goes out and and does that. Cause... Spent I spent a little time on on farms and mm-hmm. uh, and yeah it's 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 on it's honest work. It's honest work. What's that What's that meme? It's not much, but it's honest but work. It's honest work. There you go. Yep. Once again, we'd like to thank Heckla Mining Company for sponsoring this episode. To learn more about Heckla Mining Company, please visit HeklaMining.com. Molly? Chance. We're done. We are done. We are done for the day. Wow. Uh, it. it. was a good episode. <laughs> it was a, it was a really good it was episode. It a good episode. Not, not to brag or anything. I no. Mean, we're, I mean, we are awesome. We crushed it. Yeah, yeah it's, we knocked it out of the park, honestly. <laughs> Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Please like, we comment, and share. Here as well. <laughs> yeah, please like, comment, and share all of our stuff because we're awesome. Uh, if you want, if you're interested in the stories we talked about today or the ones we did not, check us out at www.cordelinpress.com, shoshonnewspress.com, bondercountydailyb.com, or thebonusfairyherald.com. If you listen to us on a podcatcher or an app, please subscribe to us so you can see every episode as soon as it comes out, and leave us a nice review. Say nice things about us. Yes, that always please. makes us feel warm and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. And uh, while you're on Facebook, jump over to the North Idaho Now Facebook page and give us a like and follow so you can see all the fun things we post on there all right all right thanks for listening thank you we'll see you next week have a great week